you know, what is podcasting? What is the future? Where is it gone? Podcasting's pretty cool now. Like, I had no idea. No one, when I started this, could have said, we're going to have a global pandemic. I mean, not only what I've been like, what are you talking about? But the fact that it's hip and cool and trendy and it's like this thing. But I think it's here to stay. I think it's a new version of radio. I think people got tired of the corporate voices, the very limited voices that were paid by all these advertisers that aren't connected to the blue collar people. And I think this is a therapeutic way for us to connect and understand each other. And this very divided world that we live in politically and socially and whatever, the fact that we can come together because we're all way more in common than we're not. I mean, we, we may have these disparaging political beliefs that are different. We voted for different people and believe in different ways. But at the core of us, we want to have that comfort. We want to have family. We want to have our kids. We want to have a job. We want to have respect. We want to have the basic things that anybody does. So at the end of the day, podcasting illuminates that. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Lead, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Today on the podcast, we have Joe Domino. You guys are going to like Joe. I had the pleasure of being on his podcast a few months ago and wanted to have him on because he has quite an extensive background in podcasting. He started his show back in 2011, which if you know, in podcasting years, it's like dinosaurs, right? (laughs) Back in the OG days when podcasting was just people trying to figure it out and having RSS feeds, not a lot of podcast hosting platforms or any of that stuff. So how he got some big name people on his show, connecting with them. We really talk about the power and importance of making genuine connections with your guests as a podcast host. You guys are going to love this conversation. So please join me in welcoming Joe to the show. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. If you could start by telling everyone who you are, what you do, and about your show. Yeah, my name's Joe Domino. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm a podcaster. I have two feeds. One's Neon Jazz, which is a radio program, and the other famous interviews with Joe Domino, which you were on, is my other feed that's been kind of gaining momentum over the last year. So I'm also by day, I'm an IT technician for a school district in the Kansas City Metro. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) With your background in IT, as well as like radio stuff, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your journey into this space? When I figured out that I wasn't going to have, like when I was in high school, I was four foot 11. So I had a really hard time being an athlete. I was a runner. So I played baseball, loved baseball. But I just knew that I, my bench warming was not my future. So I decided to find something that would be better. And for someone that was small like that, having a mightier voice and having something that I could do, broadcasting made sense. I love sports. I watched it. I emulated all the people like Bob Costas and all of those guys. So when I was going into college, I went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City. I used to cut the newspaper out in the morning and I would staple it to legal, yellow legal pieces of paper. And I would have an old microphone and old cassettes and I would record it. And on the way down to school, about 20 minutes away from me, I would listen to it and come back. So I've always been kind of in that mode of wanting to do that. I wanted to be 
at ESPN in Bristol. I wanted to be on the set with Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. That was the goal. But as time transpired, I did get into the industry. I was in the late 90s, the Royals, the Kansas City Royals were a business. I did production work for a show, a pre- and post-game show. So I got close to the action. I did production work for another outfit. And I, quite frankly, I got inside the sports broadcasting world, and it frightened me. And I was like, I can't do this. I got to get out. I just couldn't. So I got out, and I just put it to rest. I really didn't do much of anything but kind of go after my career in IT, which at that point in my life, IT was like, hey, you're doing desktop publishing. We don't want to hire anybody else. You want to go ahead and get grandfathered into this to save us money? So I learned how to do it and just over the years. That was pre-certification era. So I just got in and did it. So anyway, the way this all began with podcasting and the way our paths intersected here is I was doing some freelance writing for a local publication here in Grandview. And I heard a radio show called The Neon Beat, and it was kind of the American songbook. And I was so enamored with it, I reached out to the creator, his name is John Christopher, and wrote an article on him. He invited me to his house. He was a engineer for a major conglomerate called Intercom at the time. His entire garage was made out of old equipment they were going to throw away, awesome boards from the 80s. And basically, he said, write a script and come to my house. So I wrote a jazz script. I came in, I recorded it, and every week we did a show. That was in 2011. Shortly after that, or around that time, I said, I'm going to do my show based on the voice of the musicians. I'm interviewing them. I'm not reading out of books. I'm not getting it from third parties. So I started doing interviews. And it was just kind of this thing. I just did interviews. I didn't call it a podcast. I just had them and I put them out there. So as time went on, it became podcast. I got an RSS feed. I added to it. And when I started doing that, I was like, well, let me interview other people. So I interviewed other people like uh, I interviewed Rudy from the movie Rudy, the football icon. And that's a whole other story. But I got him. I got him and I got other people. And I just kind of started doing both of these things and kind of was putting them out there and not really cognizant of how the RSS feed and all of that stuff worked. But anyway, that's kind of the beginnings and it's steamrolled and I've expanded and I've got more into interviewing a lot of other people other than jazz musicians. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with all of it. I love how you were able to get like big name people, right? Like people who maybe you wouldn't be able to get like if a normal podcaster would be like, hey, I'm starting this show. I want to get this guy on. I want to get this person on my show. Like because you got into it so much sooner than a lot of people now. And like everyone wants a podcast now, right? <laughs> Everyone's trying to yep, have one. Yep. Like you had that show before where it was like, oh, you want me on your show? Awesome. Well, there is still some excitement that happens when you're on someone's podcast, but not nearly as much because you tend to see the same, you know, 20 people on the same 20 shows, right? Over and over right. again. But I yeah. love that. How did you kind of go about getting those types of big name guests just for anyone who's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> So this is how I did it in the beginning. I was a, okay, so this was back in, I believe, 2004 or 5. Al Gore was officially not a candidate, and he set up a network called Current TV. And it was on the upper tier channels, and he would get correspondence from all of these cities to cover things. And I would watch it on cable, and something came up, and it said, if you want to be a correspondent, reach out. And I did. So there was a flood in Osawatomie, Kansas. So I grabbed my nephew-in-law at the time. We got in the car, drove two and a half hours away. I had a handheld camera. I'm covering this. The producers there loved it. I uploaded it, and I'm like, wow, this is a new thing. So I started kind of covering Kansas City events, 
And then after that, I'm like, well, I'm going to go after people that I really want to get involved with. So I did kind of this split Zygo thing where I did the video portion of it, but I did audio. So I would use that audio on my end and then submit it over to the producers at Current TV to see if they wanted to use it. So, you know, Rudy was a part of it. My son's on the autism spectrum. So speech came after a long, long time. And there was a guy that he would sing his songs to named Daniel Johnston. He was an underground indie phenom guy from Austin. And he worked with one of my favorite musicians of all time, Jason Faulkner. He's out of L.A. He tours with Beck and he's prolific. He's behind the scenes. No one really knows who he is. So I got to interview them two at the same time. So I just started kind of branching out. If I really dug these people, I'd ask them, like, I reached out because I like Bird Box so much. Before the movie was made, I reached out to Josh Mallerman, who was one of the coolest cats on the planet. And he didn't know who I was, had no real context. He said, sure, we had a great conversation. In fact, we just spoke recently, and he kind of talked about how weird it was that he became this celebrity guy, and he's hanging out at a party with Sandra Bullock and all these people. So anyways, it just kind of gain steam. And I think the thing about podcasting is, is that people feel if you're genuinely into it and love it and are into them. I remember the first time I really, really got nervous, like bad nervous about an interview. It was Sonny Rollins. I got a package in the mail in 2014 and he was doing this thing called the road show. He loves doing live music and he was releasing this set of live recordings. So I reached out to his agent, his longtime agent out of Oakland, her name's Terry. And I just said, hey, can I interview Sonny? You know, it's either going to work or not. And she came back and said, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God. All right, let's do it. So I got, I mean, I was like, wow. So I really prepped. And I remember at the very end of the conversation, and Sonny's the coolest guy in the world. So good. So gracious. The higher up you go the food chain in jazz, the more talented and legendary they are, the more grounded and humble and wondrous they are. Mm-hmm. Just they are. I call them the Jazz Jedi Council. They're all those dudes in Cloud City and Empire just looking over us minions going, yeah, maybe we should do something different or yeah, that'll work. You know, that's who they are. So I get to the end of the conversation and I asked Sonny to do a, a plug for my show. And the way he said it and presented the plug convinced me that he got it. He got how much I love the music and basically kind of said that. So anyway, it's interesting how all that works. If you're good and you love it, like for someone for like Joe Rogan, who is the top of this food chain, I know immediately, and I, it took me a long time to get into Joe. Joe's one of those guys that totally loves what he does. It oozes out of him. And those people love it. And they're bespeckled by it. And together, there's a symbiosis. He comes in with the fierce energy. They come in with this anticipation and love of what he does. And together, they make these things. And that's kind of what I see as the nexus of podcasting. If you love it, and they're ready. When you get together, it's just like a good conversation with a stranger. Oh, it's so important. And I don't think enough people really think about that when they go into podcasting. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have these conversations with people. And it's for my audience. And it's to create content. And, and it's all about the content rather than the connections yeah. that we're making with these people that are on our show. And like, I was recently on someone's show and I was excited to be there. I love talking about podcasting. So obviously I'm like, yes, let's go. Let's talk. I'm excited. You're excited. No, wait, you're not excited. And like the vibe that I got from him was like, and he was like leaning back. He's got his arms behind his head while I'm talking. He's not looking at me and not interacting. And then he comes back with his questions and I'm just like, ew. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I had to remind myself like high energy. You love talking about this, even though he's not excited you're excited so like i think that that connection like i would never 
recommend anyone to be on his show. So if my podcasting friends are like, hey, do you know any shows I should be on? His is not one that I'm going to say, hey, you should be on that. I might not promote that episode nearly as much because I'm not as excited about it. I'm not excited about the energy that we had. Whereas when I have a conversation and I have it like, oh, wow, yeah, what we talked about was great. Let's talk about that again. Me being on your show and then being like, hey, let's do a swap. Like, I'd love to have Uh you on my show. You have all this experience. My audience would love it. But also beyond that, I'm excited to connect with you. And that really shows, right? Like it shows in the energy of your voice. It shows in the rapport that you build with that podcast or that person beforehand. And then after the fact and bringing up what you said, like you had this person on your show years ago. And even after they became famous, even after the fact, you're still talking to them. There's still that connection. One of our clients recently was seeing that a lot of their guest episodes, which they don't do a lot of them, maybe they do a lot of solo episodes, like four to five a month. And they do two guest episodes a month. And they were like, well, the guest episodes aren't getting as much traction or as many downloads. Should we take them off? I said, well, what's the purpose of them? Is the purpose to connect with these people or Uh is it to get more downloads? And they were like, well, we definitely want to connect with these people. I was like, then keep doing it. Like, You can't go wrong. And people uh-huh. forget that. Like, They get so tied up in the downloads and the numbers and in all this stuff. They forget that it's about having that one-on-one conversation that you then can spread to everyone else. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If you have that goal in mind, because the thing I see, and we, you kind of touched on this prior to, to us talking and getting into this episode was, you know, what is podcasting? What is the future? Where is it gone? Podcasting's pretty cool now. Like I had no idea. No one, when I started this could have said, we're going to have a global pandemic. I mean, not only what I've been like, what are you talking about? But the fact that it's hip and cool and trendy and it's like this thing, but I think it's here to stay. I think it's a new version of radio. I think people got tired of the corporate voices, the very limited voices that were paid by all these advertisers that aren't connected to the blue collar people. And I think this is a therapeutic way for us to connect and understand each other. In this very divided world that we live in politically and socially and whatever, the fact that we can come together because we're all way more in common than we're not. I mean, we, we may have these disparaging political beliefs that are different. We voted for different people and believe in different ways. But at the core of us, we want to have that comfort. We want to have family. We want to have our kids. We want to have a job. We want to have have respect. We want to have the basic things that anybody does. So at the end of the day, podcasting illuminates that. You know, you have a profession. I have a profession. We talk about this and we celebrate the fact that we're both competent, working professionals that are trying to do something good and beneficial. And that's really kind of the essence, I think. And I think that's the beauty of it. Like, even though I'll never talk or be around any of these people that are on the Rogan podcast, because they're all way, way out there, they still come down to a very human level with what they're talking about. And we can understand that. And that's pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I've been talking about this a lot on the show lately, but this bias, right, that is overlooked in podcasting that can't be overlooked when it comes to video or social media. And that is the way that people look, right? So when you are listening to someone's voice, it allows you to connect with them without seeing their ethnicity, without seeing any imperfections they might have on their face or any of those things. And it's just connecting with another person who is similar to you and might have the same struggles as you or might have some same interests like you do a show on jazz, like those kinds of things. Like they might be like, wow, you know, I don't care what he looks like. I just want to hear what he's who he's talking to. I want to hear what he's talking about. Whereas like on on video or YouTube or news stuff, 
it was always about how people looked. Whereas you and I can show up. I'm in my pineapple t-shirt. Like nobody can see me, but imagine guys, like it's a pineapple (laughs) t-shirt. Joe's in his car (laughs) on his break from work. Like we're able to have these really energizing and exciting conversations without anyone having to worry about like being picture perfect, right? right? That is what we see. And that's why I think that podcasting is such an impactful form of content beyond the other ones because you can show up in your vulnerability. You can show up in that voice. You can hear it. Where as like, if I'm sharing, oh, okay, a client of ours had a podcast episode on grief recently. Now, if she had written that as a blog post, it would not have come across at all like how it would with her voice, right? Having been and had that experience, what she lived through, like, I think that the voice content is definitely here to stay. And I think that it allows us to connect with each other. Like you said, like, there's a lot more that allows us to be alike than to separate, right? Yeah. What was podcasting like when you first started? Like, I love how it's progressed, even in the years 2018, I believe was when I first started my first podcast. But even knowing like, in 2015, when I started listening to podcasts, I know there's so much more ability for people to start them. How does that journey kind of progress for you? You know, I got to say, it's weird. I didn't really start listening to podcasts until like last year. Like I was like, I've been doing this because I would listen to radio and then I would listen to just other things, audiobooks or whatever. And there's so much good content out there. So in the beginning when I was doing this, I had no idea. Like I just was like, I have people that want to hear these interviews and I'll put them out. I had my old RSS feed that fed off of my blog thing. It was just kind of an old archaic backward way, but people were listening and I would, I would talk to musicians and they're like, yeah, I'm subscribing and I love your stuff. And I'm like, wow, I just, sometimes I I live in a vacuum. I'm like, I had no idea that anybody was listening. But again, it goes back to that first, that question. Are you doing it because you want more downloads or audience? I was just doing it because I really felt like I wanted to do it. Now I incorporate a lot of my clips into my show. That's one of the reasons why I do it. So a lot of this was utilitarian. And then as things kind of started steamrolling, and I would say in the last two or three years, when I started noticing the podcasting was getting to be a big deal, I put more effort into the RSS feed, doing things, what you do, you know, really getting it out there and polishing it and getting the images out there and making sure it's marketed and it's hitting all these different feeds and pockets. So it really, to me, I noticed that podcasting etymology goes back to the pod, the iPod that Steve Jobs came up with. And I still remember the first time I got that. It was mind-blowing. And just kind of the evolution of technology and where we're at today, it's really, it's amazing how far we've come and how much good content is out there. And the good thing about it is, it's like when I talk to musicians, they can get crowdfunding and there's nothing better than that. You're doing what you love and you get immediate buy-in. So when people do Patreon or they PayPal you or they do whatever, because I do visual arts and other things and I'm really big into donating. Like I want to do it and I want people to enjoy it, but just give me something, name your price, whatever you want to do. So I think that's the other thing that's cool about modern podcasting is you don't have to have this boss giving you a paycheck. You got full creative liability to do what you want to do, how you want to do it. And people by the democracy of feeling you and what you're doing, give to you and give back. And I think the whole process is wonderful. And for me coming from like a Gen X standpoint, I just turned 50 last year. I see all of the younger generations taking control and not saying, I'm just going to work a nine to five, or I'm just going to just fall into line and do this. They're taking control. And I'm very 
reassured by the fact that they're making their own companies and podcasting is your own company and they're doing it on their terms. And I think maybe the pandemic magnified that. I think the beauty of it is, is that you can set up your own thing and the pandemic really said, we have one trip around the sun, make the most out of it. And, and the younger generations are doing that more and more. I think it's great. Really good. Yeah. I love it. I love the direction we're going for sure. If anyone's like, hey, I love Joe's vibe. I definitely want to. I like jazz. I like hearing about these entrepreneurs that he's interviewing and these stories that he's interviewing. Where can they find you? Listen to your shows. So if you just put in either neon jazz, Google it, it'll come right up. I have a landing page that's on Blogspot that has all my links on there. If you do the same thing with famous interviews with Joe Domino, it'll pull up my feed. But if you want to just do everything all at once, I, I'm a busybody. I have the podcasting. I'm a visual artist. I write. You can go to joedomino.com and all of my links and everything's up there. So that, that would be the best way to do all of that. Perfect. We'll make sure that we link all of that in the show notes. Joe, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.galati. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy.